Welcome to the Assembly of Yahweh Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you're here. For more information, you can visit hallelujah.org or download the AOI app on Apple or Google Play. Well, thank you all for that song. I think I'm going to like that song. It's going to be a good one. And Kyle, thank you for that reading. You know, Solomon wrote, when your hand finds something to do, do it with your might. So that's a good thing. I'd like to speak today about what Paul wrote in Romans, the 12th chapter. It's called the gift of encouragement. So if you would, let's turn and read from Romans chapter 12. In verse 5 through 8. So we, though many are one body in Messiah, and individual members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, he who teaches in his teaching, he who encourages in his encouragement, he who contributes in liberality, he who gives aid with zeal, he who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So he was speaking of some of the, the gifts that, member, that some of the membership has. And he spoke here particularly of these. We, there's more gifts probably than he spoke of, but he spoke of these in particular. And he mentions the gift of encouragement. You know, someone wrote that, uh, in fact, it was Ray Orthlug. He said, I have never met anyone suffering from too much encouragement. And I find that to be very true. I find that most everyone likes to be encouraged or being appreciated or being spoken of so that they feel wanted and loved and needed. And the gift of encouragement... You know, we can all do this. It's not something that's so difficult that we can't do. Some of these gifts, like the gift of prophecy, it seems that you might have to have some special insight with our Heavenly Father for that. But the gift of encouragement, I think, is something each and every one of us could do and be a part of. Someone once said, if your gift is to encourage, then encourage people. And you don't have to be talented or have a high IQ to demonstrate this gift. Every day in your life, you meet someone who needs encouragement. I mean, just think about the people that you meet each and every day. As you walk through your life, do you, and I don't know how many people you might talk to or know each day, but I would guess that it would be anywhere from 20 to maybe 200, depending on who you are, maybe more. And but just, just think of it this way, that each one of these people, each one of the, not, not just one out of that, but every one that you meet would like to be encouraged. And so your field of opportunity is huge. Last night, Dave Barnett sent me an encouraging text 
and it went like this. Happy Sabbath, my friend. May Yahweh fill your words with his wisdom tomorrow. He might have thought I needed some help there. <laughs> so I appreciate the fact that he texted that to me. And then he added, have a blessed Sabbath. I found out recently that, that a lady in Abilene prays for the Wilkes family every day. I don't even know this lady. Now I know some of her kinfolks, but I thought that was kind of special too, that someone would take time out of their life to bless others in that way. And from time to time, people in this very assembly has told me that they're praying for me. And we can do that to, for other people as well. First Thessalonians chapter four. from 13 down through 18. But we would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Yahshua died and rose again, even so, through Yahshua, Yahweh will bring with him those who have died. For this we declare to you by the word of Yahweh, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of Yeshua, shall not precede those who have fallen asleep. For Yeshua himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, and with the archangel's call, and the sound of the trumpet. And the dead in Messiah will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet Yeshua in the air, and so we shall always be with him. Therefore, therefore, comfort one another with these words. And I find that to be a great comfort, especially when you've lost a loved one and, they, and you know that uh, their life is over. And the Apostle Paul wrote these words, and he said to encourage each other with these words, to let you know what will happen after death, to let you know that you have a part in that coming kingdom and that everlasting life that he has offered us. Also in chapter 5, in verse 11. It says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. So he, he, was, he appreciated what these people were doing within their own assembly there in Thessalonica. And so he said to continue to encourage one another and to build each other up. And then he goes on to say, 
you're already doing this, but I'm just encouraging you to, to continue in what you've done. And while we're in uh, Thessalonians, we'll turn back and read from the second chapter. Um, begin with verse 9. For you remember our labor and toil, brethren. We work night and day that we might not burden any of you while we preach to you the good news of Yahweh. You are witnesses, and Yahweh also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our behavior to your believers. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to lead a life worthy of Yahweh, who calls you into his kingdom and his glory. In another place it says, who called you into his marvelous light. So again, he was, he was speaking to these people and said, you know how we have encouraged you to lead a life worthy of Yahweh. And so that seems to me a, a worthy ask of us that we lead a life worthy of Yahweh. And so all of these people, I would suspect, or just like you and I, we each one have our, have our shortcomings. We each one have our valleys and the mountains that we need to conquer. And uh, we need to overcome the hard times. You know, here in America, some of the people I admire very much is some that work in the industry that try to encourage women not to have an abortion, for example. What a high calling that is, that they would encourage these women to take other options for adoption or for raising them themselves. And it's, it's so sad that we have anything that would take life that Yahweh has given. But I'm encouraged that there's people working in that field to try to stop some of those things. And Josh talked last week about grace. One person called it uh, hyper grace to the point that it's, it, it's actually not what the Bible teaches. And, uh, you know, when James said go, you don't just tell somebody that is in need to just go and be warmed and filled, but you actually go about the, the process of helping them accomplish that feat. And so there is action to be taken, just like Josh pointed out. And so these, these men and women who are working in that field, uh, I'm encouraged by that. And uh, let's turn to Romans chapter 1 and verse 11. This was Paul, of course, writing to the Romans. And he said, For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, 
both yours and both yours and mine. I want you to know, brethren, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented. What I want to point out that when you encourage someone, sometimes it works both ways and you're mutually encouraged. And that's what he mentions here. That we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. And I find that I'm encouraged by people that I know. When I know people that stand strong and they're, they're real people and they have uh, integrity, they have the things that it takes that Yahweh has given that we should do certain things so that we can please him. And you find that that brings about integrity in a, in a person if we do the things that he has prescribed for us to do. And so it is mutually up building for people when they see others around them that are doing the right thing. You know, sometimes it's just a smile that would encourage somebody. Sometimes it takes more. But uh, Job, uh, this is from the NLT version. Job 29 and 24 says that when they were disappointed, I smiled at them. My look of approval was precious to them. And Solomon said, anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. And and don't think just because people are successful or have done great things that they don't need encouragement as well. You know, King David was a, a great songwriter. He was called the sweet psalmist of Israel. He was also a great warrior He was one of the best kings that Israel ever had. And he was called a man after Yahweh's own heart. But let's turn to, to, uh, he wrote many of the Psalms that we still have today. Let's notice uh, Psalms 13. says, How long, O Yahweh, wilt thou forget me forever? How long will thou hide thy face from me? How long must I bear pain in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider it and answer me, O Yahweh, my Elohim. Listen, lighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. For I have trusted in thy steadfast love. My heart will rejoice in thy salvation. I will sing to Yahweh because he has dealt bountifully with me. You know, he starts out, he sounds very depressed, very much like that he needs needs some encouragement. And in the end, though, he realizes that his encouragement is in Yahweh. And so he ends up the psalm on a very much better note than he begins it. But as you consider and read this, and not only this, he wrote many psalms that, uh, you know, when he was in distress or trouble. 
and uh, that he needed help just as much as you and I did and encouragement just like we do. So it's for everyone pretty much that needs encouraging. <clears throat> you know, in the first chapter of Deuteronomy, I think it's verse 38, uh, Moses encouraged Joshua. That seems almost like a, a strange place for that encouragement to be. But in the third chapter also, it mentions that, that Moses encouraged Joshua. But in Deuteronomy 1 and 38, it says, Joshua, the son of Nun who stands before you, he shall enter. He was speaking of taking them into the land. Encourage him, for he shall cause Israel to inherit it. And the other mention is in Deuteronomy 3 and 28. Of course, then in the first chapter, I won't read that, but in the very first chapter of Joshua, Yahweh himself talks to Joshua and he, and he, he encourages him. That's where he tells him to be strong and of good courage. And in Second Chronicles uh, 35, that uh, speaks of Josiah when he was the king, and he had a great uh, revival of Yahweh's ways in his in his kingdom. But note what he says here. Josiah kept a Passover to Yahweh in Jerusalem, and they killed the Passover lamb on the 14th day of the first month. He appointed the priests to their offices and encouraged them in the service of the house of Yahweh. And he goes on down a wonderful story to read about the, the revival of, of Yahweh's ways in the land of Israel or in the land of Judah. And... But you find here that he encouraged the priests to take their rightful place and do the, the work of Yahweh in, in the temple. I'd like to read in uh, the story of Paul and the shipwreck. It's in Acts, the 27th chapter. I'd like to read through this and and note some of the things that Paul was accomplishing. We'll go to Acts 27 and we'll read from uh, verse 14. And so I might uh, just note in the very first verses here, Paul, you know, he was, he was very much into the idea of encouraging people. And if you read through all the letters that he wrote to people, you'll find that is one of the main tenets of what he wrote. He was encouraging these people in the assemblies that they were at. And uh, here's a, there was a young man here. He was a Macedonian. And uh, let me just read there in the first verses there. And when we had decided that we would sail for Italy, you know, it was, he, was, 
he had asked to be sent to Rome. So he wanted to, he, he, he was a Roman citizen, and so I guess all Roman citizens could appeal to Caesar. And so he had done that to keep the Jews from killing him. And so uh, that's why that he was going to Italy, he was going to Rome. They delivered Paul and some other prisoners to a centurion of the Augustan cohort named Julius. And embarking in a ship which was about to sail through the ports along the coast of Asia, we put to sea, accompanied by Articus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica. And uh, by looking at more scriptures, we find that this, young, this was a young man, and he went along with Paul and even was imprisoned in Rome along with Paul. That's how much that he appreciated Paul, that he actually went with him and became a prisoner with him. Now, Paul was under house arrest, so it, might, it wasn't quite maybe as bad as if he was in a dungeon, you know, but it is encouraging, it is interesting that this young man went along probably to help and encourage Paul. Anyway, they went along and, and they, uh, if you notice in verse 9, as much time had been lost and the voyage was already dangerous because the fast had already gone by. That's a, that's a that's a reference to the Day of Atonement, I believe, because, you know, that comes in the fall, and then after that comes wintertime. And so that's what it was referring to, the wintertime storms would blow and, and so forth. And, but I, I uh, failed to mention up here in these first verses, it said in verse 3, and next day we put in at Sidon and Julius. Now you notice this was part of the Roman army. This man was part of the Roman army. And evidently, Paul had already made a big impact on this man because it said, And Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him leave to go to his friends and be cared for. So Paul needed some care and needed some encouragement as well. And we find that this, uh, this man, that, that he was in charge of Paul, he was, he was this man's prisoner. But he felt good enough about him that he let him go on shore leave, as it were, and visit with, his, visit with friends and be cared for. And so Paul not only gave encouragement, but he was also a recipient of some of that very care. So we'll get back to verse 14 and read from there. But soon a temptatious wind called the Northeasterners struck down from the land. And when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and was driven. And running under the lee of a small island called Claudia, we managed with difficulty to secure the boat. After hoisting it up, they took measures to undergird the ship. Then, fearing that they should run on the Syrtis, they lowered the gear and so were driven. As we, as we were violently storm-tossed, they began next day to throw the cargo overboard. And the third day, they cast out with their own hands the tackle of the ship. Now, you know you're in trouble when you start throwing all your cargo and your tackle overboard. 
And when neither sun nor star appeared for many a day, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. As they had been long without food, Paul then came forward among them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and should not have set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. But I now bid you take courage, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night there stood by me an angel of Yahweh to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And lo, Yahweh has granted you all granted you all those who sail with you. So take, so take heart, men, for I have faith in Yahweh that it will be exactly as I have been told. And, uh, but he said he needed to take some food. He said, I now bid you to take heart, for there be, will be no loss of life among you. And after you'd been uh, on, on free float in a storm for 14 days, that would be great news, I would think. I guess that's in verse 27 when it says, The 14th night had come as we were drifting across the Sea of Adrian. And then in uh, verse 33. As day was about to dawn, Paul encouraged them all to take some food, saying, Today is the 14th day that you have continued in suspense and without food, having taken nothing. Therefore, I encourage you to take some food. It will give you strength. It's not a hair is to perish from the head of any of you. And when he had said this, he took bread and gave thanks to Yahweh in the presence of all. He broke it and began to eat. And they were encouraged and ate some food themselves. And the story goes on, and it's, it's a very interesting story of how he came to be at Rome. But I, I noticed that he encouraged not only the people that were traveling with him, but the soldiers and the sailors that were with him. He was not afraid to, and what that brings to mind is not only the people that are in the way and in the faith need encouragement, but everyone that you meet needs encouragement, no matter their station in life or what their thoughts are about life. Every one of them need encouragement and hope. And you never know when that will turn into something much more positive even than that. You know, something else that I think we, it's very important is that we need each other. It's very important that we have each other to fall back on, you know. Sometimes it's, uh, you need a, you know, if you have a sickness in the family, you need somebody to maybe take care of a family member or, or one of your children. Or if you uh, go on a, a trip or something fun like a anniversary or something and uh, you want somebody to help, it's nice to have people around you that can help you and be, uh, you know, that encourages us as well. 
But uh, sometimes we need to encourage people to, you know, to be a part of a group. And uh, I'll tell you a story that I read about of a member who decided he didn't need to meet with a group of people. He'd rather be by himself. In fact, in our Bible study today, we even talked about the fact that there's some groups that are saying this, that we need to go and hide and, and, be, and stay out of, get away from everybody rather than staying in the mainstream and being able to maybe talk somebody and even encourage people, as it were. But the story, as the story goes, uh, after some weeks of this guy being gone and, and away, well, the pastor goes to his house on a winter day, and they're sitting and talking, and he kind of brings up this subject and asks if he wouldn't want to come back. And the guy said, well, I've, you know, I've kind of made this decision. And so they were sitting before a fire in a, in a, on the, in a fireplace, and so the pastor gets the poker and pulls one glowing coal out of the fire and puts it on the hearth and leaves it there and as they continue to talk well that coal begins to turn gray and turns then the light goes out and and after a while he mentions it to this man and says you know this is kind of what happens sometimes to people that do not want to be associated and they forgot what it's what the writer of Hebrews said and uh the writer of Hebrews, if, you, if you've forgotten, it says, uh, not to neglect to meet together, but encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day, I would suspect day there means the end drawing near. So, you know, the man got the idea of, you know, about what he said there. Maybe he said it in a nice enough way that this man rethought his way of thinking. But as the end draws near, our job seems to me like is to be more readily available to everyone that I think as time goes on and, and time becomes more severe and some of the things in Revelations and Matthew 24 and some of those things start to happen, people are going to be looking desperately for some encouragement, some reason for why this is going on. And it's possible that you can take and do some of that and tell those people of the great hope that is within you. And you know, we read about the storm here. You know, all of us go through storms from time to time. And we have storms in our life that we don't know what to do with. And of course, we have a great, we have a great person that we can go to in, in the form of Yeshua, our, our Messiah, and Yahweh, his Father. You know, these are people, these are, on one hand, the Elohim and then our older brother, Yahshua, that we have an opportunity to be greatly encouraged by what they have said and what they've written. It says that they're written for our admonition. And so that is one of the things, but it's also true that we have a great uh, burden on each on ourselves to help each other when we do go through those storms and when we find that we need great encouragement. You know, sometimes if you're, if you're very 
uh, I hate to use the word depressed. Maybe that is the right word, depressed, or you're, you're feeling down. You just feel like that you need uh, some encouragement. I found that if you just take this book and you just open it anywhere and just start reading from wherever you open it, it won't be long until you realize that there's something in there that's, that's, that's speaking to you. Somewhere in there, it's going to talk to you. And I just guarantee you that you won't have a problem being encouraged if you open up the book and just start reading anywhere that you open. It'll, get, it'll tell you something that you need to be encouraged with. And again, I'm, I'm thinking that every person, even around us that are not actually believers, need to be encouraged from time to time. You know, Paul described them like this in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12. He described them as having no hope and without Elohim in the world. How many people are out there that that fitly describes them? Without hope and without Elohim or Yahweh in this world. You know, late, late in his life, the great pioneer missionary to Africa, David Livingstone, received an honorary uh, award from Glasgow University. And as he rose to speak, he was gaunt and haggard as a result of the hardships he had gone through in tropical Africa. He had had his left arm crushed by a lion and it hung helpless at his side as he announced his resolve to return to Africa. Without misgivings and with great gladness, he added, would you like me to tell you what supports me and did support me through all the years of the exile among the people whose language I could not understand and whose attitude toward me was often uncertain and sometimes hostile. And he went on to say it was this. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. On these words, I staked everything, and they never fail me. And... Uh, you know, sad to say, he actually went back to Africa and uh, spent the rest of his life. It wasn't long, though, actually, and he, I think he got uh, diphtheria or something and passed away in Africa. But he was dedicated to the idea that they needed to hear the good news, and so that's what he did. And uh, he was comforting by these words. For lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So I would suspect from that that we should, maybe that would be something we could take into our uh, bag of, of quotes uh, and realize that we have someone very special to take care of us even to the end of the age. You know, Barnabas, 
his name means son of encouragement. And he knew how to encourage others. That was, that would might come with the name. But Acts uh, chapter 4 and verse 36. He uh, it talks about him just very briefly there. Now this was right after the days of Pentecost and these people had come up from all nations. They were in Jerusalem and they wanted to hear more about this Messiah and, and the coming kingdom and all these things that they were teaching. And so the people, some of them of the local membership were selling their land or their houses so these people, so they'd have money to feed these people that were staying in Jerusalem to hear the good news. And uh, this is where we're picking up here. Uh, in verse 34, For there was not a needy person among them, for as many as were possessors of land or houses sold them and brought the possessions, the proceeds of what was sold, and laid it at the apostles' feet. And distribution was made to each as they had need of. Thus Joseph, who was surnamed by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a a native of Cyprus, sold a field which belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. And then there's other places that he's spoken of as well, but this was a mention of him, and he uh, saw a need, and his way of encouragement was by bringing money to the table so that they could buy food and these people could continue to hear the good news that a Messiah had come to the earth and that uh, he, he, through him you could have everlasting life. And uh, another mention of this same guy, by the way, is in Acts the ninth chapter in verse 26, if you don't want to turn and read that for yourself sometime. But uh, that was when Paul had just had his conversion. And actually the membership of the assembly was afraid of Paul because he'd been trying to murder him up to this point. And so I kind of understand that. He was was a guy that (laughs) he didn't have a lot of friends in the assembly it seemed because he was trying to kill them all because he did not want this uh, idea of the Messiah to get out and uh, he had the great conversion and he was blinded for a time and Yahshua spoke to him and said why are you persecuting me and you know the story but it goes on and uh, but Barnabas spoke up for Paul here and he encouraged the membership to accept him and so he came in and began to preach about the son of Yahweh and how he and that his message was to the Gentile but anyway he was a great go-between the the assembly and Paul and got him kind of uh, brought into the fold so people trusted him again Esther uh, chapter Uh, If you'll turn to Esther, we'll begin in chapter 4 and verse 13. And as you remember, Esther was the queen of this uh, 
country. And the problem was that the Jews in that area had a great enemy. And this man uh, wanted to annihilate all the Jews that were in the kingdom. Sounds kind of familiar if you're familiar with World War II. But anyway, Mordecai was her uh, uncle, I believe it was, but whatever, he, he had raised her. And so he was, asked, he was trying to encourage her to go before the king and stop this huge thing that was happening in the country, that these Jews would be killed. That's a short story, okay? It's much longer than that. But uh, this is what he said to what he said to Esther. Uh, beginning verse eleven, all the king's servants and the people of the king's province. This is uh, Esther telling Mordecai why couldn't she just couldn't just go in there and talk to the king. You don't just go in there and talk to the king. You have to have a you have to have a process. And so that's what she's telling him about. If any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law. All alike are to be put to death except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter so that he may live. And I have not been called to come into the king these 30 days. And they told Mordecai what, Hector, what Esther had said. Then Mordecai told them to return, answered to Esther. Think not that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at such a time as this, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another quarter. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for just such a time as this. And uh, I won't go into all the story. It goes on down. Had a great happy ending. And if you haven't read the story, well, you ought to continue and read it. But he was encouraging her to do what is, was her civic duty at that point in time. He was encouraging her to stand up for the Jews around that city. And not only the city, but throughout the whole entire nation. And uh, he, he went on to say that if you don't do it, well, you know, Yahweh will rise, raise up somebody else, but you'll be the less for it. And so she took his advice, and, uh, but this is a time of encouragement that we read about in the scriptures. Mark Twain said something I think that would be worth repeating. Some things probably not, but this one might be. 
Keep away from people who try to belittle your ambitions. Small people always do that. But the really great make you feel that you too can become great. So he was an encourager. And Mr. Carnegie said, you have it easily in your power to increase the sum total of the world's happiness by giving a few words of encouragement and appreciation to someone who is lonely or discouraged. You might forget the kind words that you say, but the person you say them to may cherish them for a lifetime. And I think that's very true. That is so, most of the time the person receiving the compliment or the encouragement remembers it much longer than the encourager does. And you know, we all have the people around us that encourage us. And uh, I would challenge you to become a better encourager. Someone around you needs some encouragement. But uh, you know, I can remember my mom telling me I could accomplish just about whatever I set my mind to do. I just didn't set my mind to do all the things that she wanted me to. But I've had other people that encouraged me when things were going badly. And uh, my wife, Joanne, she's encouraged me in so very many ways. You know, uh, this one man said, a wife is a gift given to man to reconcile him for the loss of paradise. And, uh, you know, we've had a marriage thing going on here for a while, so I think there's some truth to that. I think that this is one of the, the great gifts that Yahweh has bestowed upon man. But Joanne, is, uh, she has encouraged me to be a kinder and a gentler person. And to have absolute faith in what the scriptures say. And no matter what comes, to stand strong in the knowledge that Yahweh is still on the throne. And he's in control. And she has encouraged me to be a better person. And to take life's battles and know that everything will be okay. And she has shown me the art of encouragement. And if you're down and out, I imagine some of you in this very assembly know that. And she has done what Paul told the Thessalonians to do. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you're doing. You know, our wives are so important to us. As men, 
you are the staff of life and you are the one that encourages more than any other person can. So I would encourage you to know that you are very much appreciated. Sometimes we need to be like Barnabas and give a monetary help. Then other times we need to sit and listen to be a friend. And it's been said that you can win more friends with your ears than you can with your mouth. Henry Beecher, he said, do not keep the boxes of your love and tenderness sealed up until your friends or loved ones are all dead. Fill their lives with sweetness. Speak approving, cheering words while their ears can hear them and while their hearts can be thrilled by them. And I am encouraged by words like Yahweh wrote in Jeremiah 31 and 3. He said, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 14, that all you do be done in love. And if you really want some encouragement, I find that you read from the Revelations. You read from Revelations 19, 20, 21, and 22. And if that can't encourage you, well, I guess you're kind of hopeless. Thank you. <laughs>